0: Hi, I'm Annie Paltrow, radio restrictor of Hi, Annie. Oh, my God. Well, I guess my higher power really wants me to talk for a long time. I've got a a good amount of time here to to share my story. And it is an absolute honor to share my story and to be asked to speak on this podcast. Um, This program is incredible, and I am so grateful that I found it, um, or that it found me. Um. So to qualify, uh I guess I'll just start from uh the beginning. I'm um from a really big Italian family, uh, a lot of siblings, and I grew up in a really uh strict uh religious family where, you know, uh there was a lot of um rules. And there was a lot of um Uh, no, in my life. Um, You know, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, You know, so, I was a very sensitive child, so I really stuck to the rules as a kid. So, you know, but I was, what I didn't realize was I was raging inside uh, because I was such a free spirit. I was such an extrovert. I was such a, uh, a joyous like loud boisterous child and then to to sort of be confined by so many rules I think was crushing my spirit and I didn't even know how it was crushing my spirit um, and so uh, you know growing up in a, a religious catholic school there was a lot of fear that I learned you know that if I do anything wrong then I'm going to be punished and uh, I really took that to heart like I remember as a child just being sort of terrified to do anything wrong because I was afraid that God would punish me if I did anything wrong to the point that I remember going to um, confession. Uh, for those that don't know what that is, you you, uh, you go to, to, like, this little, like, curtain in the church, and then you confess your sins to a priest. And, you know, my school would have us do that, and I was in second grade. We would go, like... I think monthly. I'm not sure. We went often, though. And I, I remember one time specifically having no sin. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't think of one thing I did wrong, but I was so, like, scared that I made stuff up because I thought I had to have some sins. You know, that was
1: what you were to do.
0: And, um, you know, I, I remember just, like, thinking, like, you know, afterward, like, is that, you know, something wasn't right about that, you know, uh, and whatever. So, like, for me, that was uh, a large part of just as a child being very fearful, like, and um, I, I remember, like, being, having anxiety as a child, but not knowing what the word anxiety meant, you know, just being uncomfortable in my body and, like, this sort of, now, what I would label like a low grade anxiety. And, um, you know, and, and finding that food was, was, was the one thing that my family was like, yes, yeah, you can eat. You know, Italian family is like, food is celebrated, it's actually, it's encouraged, you're a good girl if you eat. So, you know, I really, uh, I really was a good girl.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, you know, so I would, I would I would eat a lot. You know, I, I'm very fortunate. I, I had a pretty high metabolism as a kid, so I'd, I I didn't have a weight problem per se. But food was definitely extremely important to me. And to the point I remember uh, 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 <laughs> my sister betting me I couldn't eat an entire plate of gnocchis. Um, she got me like $5 or something, and I crushed that gnocchis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Um, so it was it was there, even though the weight wasn 't showing it was there that that was that was my friend you know that was my my um, my go to uh, and so then moving on to uh, I would say when I was about eleven or twelve um, I basically you know I would come home from school and I would watch TV and eat. And that was sort of, like, my 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 thing. And I remember one day coming home from school, and I ate seven bowls of uh, rice cookies, and I just literally got sick. It wasn't like, it, this was, you know, I'm going to date myself here, but this was back in the 80s when, like, you know, I didn't, no one was talking about bulimia. I didn't even know what it was. I just honestly just ate so much food that I, I went downstairs and... I, I just got sick, and I remember going back upstairs, and nobody was home. And I remember about a half an hour went by, and I just naturally got hungry again because I, I didn't get sick because I was sick. And I thought to myself, "Oh wow, I could just go eat more and do that again." And it was like I thought I invented bulimia, you know? I thought this is amazing. I'm this is like, incredible. But something in me knew it was wrong because I didn't tell anybody. and then it became this incredible secret that I had, and uh, it became an absolute obsession. I went to absolute extremes trying to um, find food and where was they going where were they going to throw up when were they going to throw up how were they going to throw up uh, I would you know take change out of my mom's purse and 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 Uh, find vending machines and get um, candy. And and because there were so many kids in my family, it was hard to see that I was the one eating so much because I had brothers that were really big eaters. And, you you know, and I was just, I, I can't explain it. I was like, I was like a professional at hiding it. Like it became like I got so good at hiding the bulimia. Uh, And, you know, I was athletic, and so no one really uh, suspected it. Um, I do not know why I started throwing up. I do not remember long periods of my childhood. And um, I can't explain it. I know that, um, you know, I suspect that some things may have happened to me as a kid that I don't remember. Um, And, you know, I am getting some outside help to investigate that. Um, But uh, the food and the bulimia took over. And, um, I mean, I I, I remember, you know, uh, we used to sell the chocolate candies at my school, and I pretty much ate all of them. (laughs) And had to come up with the money. (laughs) Um, I remember the bulimia got really terrible, and I, I started, it got to the point where, I w- and I wasn't allowed to date, so again, there was all these things I wasn't allowed to do, so the bulimia became my date, the bulimia became my friend, um, and I picked men that were uh, unavailable, uh, because I knew that I didn't actually, I couldn't actually be with them, so I found people that were unattainable or were emotionally unavailable so that they wouldn't know they wouldn't, they wouldn't have the love and compassion to see how I was killing myself. Um, And so I, I remember one time being out with this guy and we were at a party and he was very critical. He would criticize me and I would allow it, you know, I really didn't feel like I was worthy. And so I would pick men that would, would criticize me and, you know, put me down, and they were just merely reflecting my own um, my own thought, my own belief that I wasn't worthy. And I remember being at this party once, and um, uh, I couldn't handle it, like, and so I just started eating at the buffet um, area, and it got out of control. And the next thing you knew, I I I was so. Sick that I went into the bathroom, and the bathroom wouldn't flush, and I was horrified because I was like, "Oh my God! There's all these people at this party. They're going to find out. I'm going to be exposed." Anyway, long story short, I got. It was like I literally was like scooping out the throw up. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's like it got to that level, um, and it was like that was like a real bottom. Um, but it went on, you know, and I, there were many, many, um, years that I, 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 it just kept going and I'd wake up every morning and be like, this is the day I'm going to stop. This is the day it's going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I would find, find out my head in the toilet again, you know? Um, and it just, it just was, there were so many moments where I thought I was going to die, you know? And, um, I remember it got so bad that I was having, like, heart palpitations, and, um, because I was just dehydrating myself, and I thought I was going to have a heart attack, and um, I remember, like, just hitting my knees for the first time and being like, God, I need your help. Like, I can't do this, and um, that's when I decided to put myself in a, in a, a rehab, but my insurance would only cover 30 days outpatient. So I did 30 days outpatient, and I got out of there, and I was still throwing up, and I got really depressed because I thought, oh my God, how am I going? How am I still doing this after? I thought the rehab was going to fix me, and it didn't, and I got more. The bulimia actually got worse, and the, the heart palpitation started to like get really scary, and again I hit my knees, and I was like, God, help me, and. I think, like, three days later, I had a friend call me um, who didn't – nobody knew. Still, I kept it so secret. And this friend that didn't know me said, um, oh, I'm going to this psychic and blah, 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 blah. And I really feel like higher power works through people. And he she said, um, I'm so excited she's supposed to be really good and I was like, Oh, I wish I could go uh, does she does she do photo clairvoyant like? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, Well bring a picture of me. So she she brings this picture, she calls me and she's like after she del- goes and she goes, It was so weird at the psychic she said, um she said she um i I got my reading and at the end of it she said, um, wait a minute, who's this Annie person? And uh, my friend was like, "Oh my God! I was supposed to bring a picture of her." And she goes, "Well, um, are you wearing something hers?" And she was wearing this like headband of mine. And she's like, yeah. And so the the psychic said, "Can I hold it?" So she held it in her hands and she said, "Um, this girl is is so potassium deficient. I, I'm afraid she might have a heart attack." And my friend was like, "Oh, that's crazy! She's young. She's she's healthy. Like." Says, what and so the psychic said is she bulimic and my friend was like no and she goes well I don't know what's going on but you need to call her and tell her to get like a banana and some <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: so my
0: friend calls me and she's like she's like she tells me the story and I'm like like the true addict that doesn't want to be found out my immediate response is that's crazy. I can't believe she said that. And then I got off the phone and I just burst into tears. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm so scared. And like, I ran and got a banana. And (laughs) and I, I, I called my friend and I was bawling. And I was like, I am so scared. Like I'm bulimic and I don't know what to do about it. And so then she's like, well, maybe you we should come see the psychic. <laughs> so I did, and it was very interesting. The psychic, it was, it, was, it was, she literally was telling me the places that I would go to go, like, binge. Like, it was, like, blew me away. But she said, do not worry. She goes, you're going to be fine. All you need is a good support team. That is what the 12 Steps did, is, is an incredible support team. Now, I didn't find my support team right away. But that message, I get now, is what she was talking about. So, um, I ended up finding a group of people in an acting community, and that was my first support team. And I went to an acting workshop that, um, I went to an acting workshop that the the acting coach did not know who I was, never met him before, and apparently he was supposedly intuitive. And again, my higher power worked through someone. Uh, I was up on doing this exercise where you stand in front of everyone and he tells you a little bit about yourself and he said to me in front of everyone as vulnerable as I could be you have a secret and it's killing you and it was like the floodgate I just started bawling and I spoke to him afterward and I, w- I told him it was up and I ended up going to his class and writing a lot about my food and it was like things started to get better um, I was, like, growing up less. You know, it was just, like, it was it, it was good. And then I moved in with a friend of mine. I had some support there. And then the first weekend, but I was, the first weekend she went out of town. She, um, I don't know about anyone who can relate to bulimia. It was, the minute you're alone is the worst. Like, that's when you'll go right back to your disease. So she was out of town, and I went I had a massive binge, and I threw up, and I was devastated because I thought I was finally okay, and this was, you know, back in the 90s when there were no cell phones, and um, when I, after I threw up, I was sitting on our couch in front of the TV, and I started crying, and I said, um... God, please help me. I can't do this alone. Please help me, God. I need your help. I can't do this by myself. And I just cried and said those words. And the next day, my roommate came home, and she comes into my room, and she says, the weirdest thing happened. I, like, was listening to my voice messages on her answering machine, because we used answering machines back in those days. And she said, some girl was crying saying, God, help me. I need your help. I can't do this alone. Please help me. And I stood there, like, shocked. Like, what? Like, how did I, what? I said, can I hear that? And I went to her answering machine, she played it for me, and it was me. And I was freaked out, and I didn't understand how that was possible. I went into the living room where I had binged, and I looked on the couch, and in between the cushions was the, um, the cordless phone. And at the exact moment I said those words, my butt hit the memo
1: button and recorded
0: just those words. And I was like, like my mind almost exploded. Like, and I just like cried. And I was like, how many angels is my higher power, power going to send me? And I, I literally have not thrown up since then, and that was 20 years ago and so the bulimia lifted, and I can't explain it, Um, so, but what didn't lift is what was underneath the bulimia, so that was the symptom, and I'm so grateful to my higher power that that symptom was lifted, but I took my will back, and um, I kept using food. I found different ways, so what I what I became was it just switched. Um, it switched. I ended up being like an orthorexic. And if those who don't know what that is, it's like somebody who who eats m- large volumes of healthy food um, so you can try and stay thin. And this went on for years and years. And I suffered for years and years. Someone told me about the 12 Steps OA probably like two years after I would stopped growing up, I went to a meeting, and I heard someone in the meeting say that she relapsed um, and she, from bulimia, that she had had six years of absence and she relapsed. And that freaked me out. I was like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear anybody relapsing. And I left that meeting, and I did not go back until when I was, share later in the story (laughs) when I went back. But what I realize now, and I just want to say to any of the newcomers, anybody who's listening to this podcast or in this room, that, you know, if you're new to this program, don't allow... that to scare you, and what I get is that I wasn't ready, and I was looking for any reason not to come back, and I found my reason, because I know there must have been a thousand, not a thousand, but a ton of things being said in that room that were wonderful and beautiful and helpful, but I couldn't hear it, because I was only looking for a reason to run, you know, because my disease was stronger than me in that moment, um, so, um, Anyway, I remember at, years later at a point, be, you know, I saying to a friend, I think I still have a problem with food. And he looked at me and said, well, you're thin. You don't have a problem with food. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I, I hardly eat all day. And then I come home and I eat all my calories in front of the television. And I feel sick when I go to bed. Like, and he was like, yeah, you're thin. You don't have a problem.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so something in me knew. I still had a problem. Um, But I was like, yeah, I guess I don't have a problem. And I kept going. Um, And uh, it wasn't until I... um, uh, Well, actually, let me think about um, what happened next. Um, Yeah, so I just continued to do that, and my life became very small. So my life became... um, my life was really about uh, finding ways to eat as many calories and like getting home and turning on that television and watching TV. So, so I didn't have like a lot of intimate relationships. I didn't have a lot like, I didn't and I didn't really realize how small my life was because, you know, I thought, I thought I had a I thought I had a big life. But now now that I'm in recovery, I see I had a, such a small life. And that television and food were still my main love and connection. Like, I had friends. I had, you know, a career. I had all sorts of things. But, you know, I didn't realize really food was my intimacy. Like, I, I didn't realize how much I was still numbing out on food. And, like... Like, even, um, you know, when I was in an acting class, like, when anything got too emotional, I would just, like, be numb. And I didn't know what that was about. And and, and it was like I would disassociate from my body. And, and food was a way to disassociate from my body. And food was a way to disassociate um, in relationships. Like, even in my relationships, I would be the, the girlfriend that never fought with her her boyfriend. Like, literally go, you know, a two-year relationship without fighting. That is not normal. That is, (laughs) And, And that's why they never lasted. Because I wasn't authentic. I wasn't real. I just was wanting to make sure he was not mad and wouldn't leave. And that's what I realized, you know, from working the 12 steps, is how that's why I had no true intimacy. Um, so long story short, I ended up um, being in my comfort zone for a long time in that, and I really believe that my higher power um, was like, okay, she's not moving. <laughs> like we gotta, we gotta, we gotta stir some, some stuff up. And so I got this inkling in me to move to a Los Angeles I'm from the East Coast, and. I thought I was coming to, like, have a great career and this, that, and the other. And I didn't realize, like, I was coming here to heal. Uh, I got here, and I got my butt handed to me. Um, You know, my my career, I had a really great career on the East Coast, but it didn't transfer to the West Coast because no one knew me. And um, I started to really struggle. And in my struggle, I started to eat more. And I, thank God, had a wonderful friend who's in the program and recommended maybe I should check out a meeting. And I was open uh, because I had done a lot of spiritual work along the way uh, because I've always had a really strong belief in a higher power. So I was open, I went to the meeting, and I heard it was New Year's. I knew I was home, I knew I belonged here, I knew that um, I had some real work to do. And so uh, I got a sponsor right away, uh, and I started to work the steps. Um, And uh, it wasn't easy. You know, I... uh, I basically, yeah, it was, actually, no, it was easy. I I don't know why I'm saying it wasn't easy. And what I mean by it was easy is that I finally had support. Because this is a disease of isolation. And I'm a great isolator. Uh, I will, like like I was saying, I will isolate. uh, I will go home and watch TV and eat. That's how, that's where I'm most comfortable. If I'm around people too long, then that's what I want to do. So, so what I love about this program is that it forced me to get out of isolation. And fortunately, my sponsor said to go to five meetings a week, make three outreach calls. So I started um, doing that, and uh, and I started to feel better. Like there was something about being in a room and hearing your 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 story hearing that you're not crazy, that you're not alone, that, that you know, that there's a solution. Because for me, this disease is not only about food, it's about my thinking. I have a brain that is so mean. It tells me I'm not good enough, that I'm not doing it right, that I don't deserve, and that um, and to be very afraid, very afraid. For me, this disease has been a tremendous amount of fear. Uh, most of my decisions, I mean, I was a massive hypochondriac uh, for years and years and years. I was just, there was so much terror in my body. Uh, that's why I think I would eat, because I just needed to anesthetize all that fear. And, uh, and it wasn't until some other outside spiritual work that I've done, in, co- in combination with the 12 steps, is that I'm starting to learn that um, I'm afraid because I think I'm doing it by myself. But I'm not, and it is when I think I'm doing it alone that that is terrifying. Like if I think that I have to figure this out, then I'm screwed because I can't. I, you know, uh, Albert Einstein says you cannot solve the problem within the thinking of the problem, and you know I can't. And so that's why I need, I need you. I need everyone listening to this podcast. I need, I need my higher power, because I can't do this by myself. So by going to the meetings, that started it. And um, by also making those outreach calls. And, you know, I found that, like, sometimes, because I sometimes work, uh, was a, I'm a freelancer, so I work from home. If I didn't go to a meeting, I didn't see anybody. And that is um, not okay. You know, it's like, their love and connection is... What, what brings us joy. You know what I mean? And so what these phone calls, with the um, the outreach calls have, have taught me is how to reach out, how to um, get the crazy out of my head. So and if you're a newcomer and you think, oh, I don't want to bother anybody, you are not bothering anybody. You are helping that person because I need you as much as you need me. And so, um, you know, it teaches me that, And it's funny because what I find when I make these outreach calls, I'll have a whole bunch of crazy in my head. And when I say it out loud to another fellow, it's laughable, Because, you know, right, it's mostly nonsense and and meanness that when I say it out loud, I get, oh, this is crazy, and I don't have to believe this, and I can move forward. And it's so helpful. So, you know, I would encourage anybody listening is, like, make those outreach calls um, you know, and I know that a lot of people don't have a lot of in-person meetings everywhere, so your, the phone is really even more important, you know. Um, so what else? So um, I work the steps. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on my second round of the steps. Uh, and, you know, someone said to me, God is in the steps. And I really do truly believe that because by working the steps, I have learned how to be an adult, how to own my side of the street? How to see things in myself that I did not know were blocking me? Um, how to see things that, like I had no idea, like I would get mad at people for doing the things that I do. You know, like that was one of the character effects that was such a mind blowing. Like, like oh, you know, how dare you do that? And then my response being like, Well, have you ever done that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but, I mean, how dare they, you know, it's like, oh, my God, right, like, even when I drive now, it's, like, I'm, I can see, like, I'm, like, oh, I can't believe they cut me off, and, it's like, yeah, I've cut people off, you know, like, it's, like, so, so freeing to take on my side of the street, because it's, it's, like, if I th- rely on you changing, oh, my God, I'm screwed, like, you know, it's, like, I just need to work on me, and the Twelve step teaches me how to work on me, and that I'm, I'm powerless alone, and that I, you know, I need my higher power to remove these defects of character, because me getting angry in traffic, I can't stop that. Like, so, like, I literally ask my higher power to help me with everything. I'm, um, uh, I talk to my higher power all day. Like, I, I talk to my higher power like it's my best buddy my best friend, and, like, even today, I, I was having a hard time with a suitcase, I was packing something, and it was, it wouldn't work, and I let myself, I got so angry, and I was like, God, where are you with the
1: suitcase, you know, and,
0: and, and, and like, it only clicked, I, I mean, I'm not saying that God works that way all the time, and it's that purposeful, but one of the things, I used to be very afraid, and I still am, actually, of being mad at God, getting mad at God and yelling at God. Because, like I said from the beginning of my share, you know, as a kid, I was not allowed to get angry. I was not allowed to, you know, God was a punishing God. And what I love about this program is it says that I can have a God of my own understanding. I, have a, I can have a, a God that I want. And that God is someone that if I get mad, it's okay. And that's especially important for me because I, for a long time, never got mad because I was afraid to get mad. I was afraid for the consequences of getting angry. And um, so it's so wonderful how individual everybody's program is and everybody's what they need. And for me, with my higher power, I need a higher power that I can get angry at, and it's okay. And that my higher power will love me, even when I I feel feelings that may not as I believe as a child, are okay feelings to have, you know. And so I, I love that. Um, so I, have, I, I get up in the morning. I'll tell you a little bit about how I work my program. I, I get up in the morning, and the first thing I do is meditate. So it's really important to me, and someone once said to me, even five minutes in the morning, uh, you'll have a different kind of day than if you don't do five minutes in the morning. And I really find that to be true, that like if I don't, if, if the days I, I forget, and it's rare that I forget because I really get I have a different day, what's five minutes, you know? And then a lot of times I'll spend way more than five minutes, but at least five minutes. And then I say, um, I say the acceptance prayer. I say the third step prayer. I ask God to guide my thoughts and my, and my actions. I ask God to show me how I can be of service um and and that sets up my day that sets up my day um I also uh try to read the literature I don't read it every day but I definitely try and read it um i i like i said I go to five meetings a week I make three outreach calls I call newcomers uh a newcomer when I was a newcomer someone called me and I remember the first call I got i thought wow I can't I can she called me. You know, and like, like so, it's really important for all of us to. Well, obviously for myself, for me to call newcomers, and um, and it keeps me humble. It keeps me um, in check. Uh, I, uh, I sponsor, um, and I have a sponsor, and I, um, and I rely on on not doing it on my own. So, like, I call a lot of fellows, and when stuff's going crazy in my head, I talk it out, and it really helps. And when I'm in meetings, I share. Uh, someone once said to me when I first got here, get in the middle of the herd. So if you're new, get in the middle of the herd. Like, we need to know who you are. I need to know your story so I can relate to you, and you can relate back to me, and we can, we can get to know you. Um, because for me, again, this is a disease of isolation, and so it's so important for me to connect. Love and connection is the lack of love and connection is why I ate. And so I, I need love and connection. I want love and connection. And I look at, like, the tools as money in the bank. So, like, I don't look at coming to five meetings and making these phone calls and um, as, like, work. I look at it as every time I do one, I get a little saner. Every time I um, I pray, I, I get a little saner. Um, and, and so... For me, I can't deny that truth, and it makes me want to do it more, and I've had so many God shots, so many promises already come true. Um, I, I, part of my is I don't eat and watch TV anymore, and that is a freaking miracle. Like, that is an absolute miracle, because for me, that is how I stayed so small. It was my biggest, like, way of, of, of keeping small, um what else do I do? I, I, uh, what else do I do? I, hmm. I do a lot of things. I can't think of one right now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I just, I just know that, oh, when, when somebody calls me, I answer. If, unless, like, there's some, you know, uh, it's something I absolutely can't. I answer because I look at it like my, it's my higher power of calling. And a lot of times whoever's calling me is, is bringing up something that I need, I need to hear. You know, so, so I, I look at it. And, you know, there are times, like, when a fancy calls me or a fellow calls me, I don't feel like it. I really don't. And I just want to be like, oh, why are you calling? But by the end of the call, I feel so much better you know, and that helps me uh, uh, tremendously. I guess I want to, like, one of the things I want to finish is just, like, by by just really encouraging working the steps because all of the tools are amazing for me and, and all that, but it wasn't until I started to work the steps that I really started to see, like, like, the light turned on for me. When I did my fourth and fifth step, the light turned on. I had no idea how I how I was this, how I was living like like I, I really feel like this is a curriculum for living, and and it is a curriculum of of surrender. Like the more I surrender, like step one, two, and three for me, is a daily reprieve, and it's a daily practice. So every day it's like I have to remember I'm powerless. I have to remember that a power greater than me can restore me to sanity, and that I have to give up my will and let that power. Uh, restore me to sanity and the more I work the program the more I work the tools the more I work the steps what's really cool is I can't deny when I do that my life gets better uh, and 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 it's okay because left to my own devices my mind is terrified thinks it's never going to work out and that I'm alone and, and that it's not okay and um I'm not the same person that walked in these rooms, and I, I cannot deny that um, the more I, I work it, and I, I will say this for anyone listening, is that I notice, it, it is not like I'm cured. I notice that when I um, slack off or, some, you know, I get, sometimes I'll get cocky and I'm like, oh, I got this. Oh, boy. I don't. I feel it right away. You know what I mean. So, so it it, it motivates me to work it even more. Uh, and uh, I guess I'm going to stop there and see if anybody has any questions. Um, thank you so much for letting me do this. <laughs>
1: you the question whether your higher power even exists
0: and if so what did you do to regain your faith uh so the question was uh has anything ever happened where it got me to question my faith and if my higher power really does have me absolutely all the time yeah totally i um there are times there are moments where i feel like you know Is it all real? You know, is my higher power really got me? Is everything really okay? Am I okay? Um, And what? And that's okay. Like I let that be okay. That like I don't know, but all I can do is act as if. And what happens for me when I act as if? My higher power just proves me wrong you know, that, like, that I am okay, you know, and um, I, I love the fact that I don't have to believe it. I don't have to believe it every moment, um, but it's my job to work the, the principles. It's my job to work the steps. It's my job to work the tools and see what happens, and from my experience, I cannot deny when I work those principles, when I turn it back over, things work out, and it's a release to me, though, that I don't have to believe it. But it's like I get to experience it's true. But I can't, because I can't deny um, that I've changed. Anyone else have it? Um, you said you could, like, go for a two-year relationship without
1: having conflict. Mm-hmm.
0: How did you learn to have conflict? Oh, I, 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 I'm I literally learning that. Mm-hmm. Oh sorry someone asked me I said uh, in my share that i didn't know, i didn't have conflict for like two years in a relationship, so how am I learning how to have con- conflict I-, I think from working the steps um, and learning about myself and what's my responsibility and what are my um, With my side of the street, allows me the freedom to not, when I have conflict, blame you, but take responsibility and have an adult conversation about it, where I didn't know how to have an adult conversation about things before the step. It was sort of like I I would just shut down. And now, um, when I get to own my side of the street, something happens in the conversation that people are less defensive. So that a, an adult conversation can occur, and I, believe me, I'm still learning. Like you know, um, and and I think that it's, you know, and there's other programs that help with that too. That you know, maybe I need to investigate too. You know, um, but I, I love that about the 12 steps that there's just there's just so much growth and guidance. I need the guidance.
1: Got it? Okay, thank you so much.